0: Tennis or basketball? Um, I'll, I'll do both. I'll <laughs> kick your ass in both. <laughs> All right, sounds good.
1: I totally could have kicked your butt oh, so bad. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: right. We're going to give 5000 to the charity.
1: 5000 to the chariot if I hit it from right, right here. here. Oh, you are dead. Right, let's go, let's go. Come on. OK, the first try is the. Oh! Thirds a charm. Now I get it. This is it. Here we go. we Tim dunking it. Tim dunking it. And from the side, here we go. I'm not go. sure how visible
0: a bank shot of a three-point. Triple- oh! 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 Oh!
1: Oh my God! Sucker! Oh, you that was sucker. only the, the young girls of Haiti. Thank you. Now, what
0: would you have? Dwight Schrute gives the forward. What would Dwight Schrute's review of the book be?
1: He would hate that book. <laughs> can we can we conjure up the uh, Dwight Schrute-esque? He would say, um, this is an abomination and and entirely a waste of time. Um, The only reason you should be buying this book is because it has so many pages which are made out of paper. (laughs) Gotta get some paper in there. Yeah. You mind if I jump into your koi pond? (laughs) As long as
0: you don't pee in it. What's an example, what do you think's the best ad-libbed line? Was the, the werewolf, was
1: that, I mean the, uh, the dog, what the is dog it? Turning the dog a turn into werewolf, Was that an yeah. improv? Yeah, I just, I put in the book a bunch of lines that I knew that I had improvised that ended up in the show. Um, and Jim, you said, gave you a lot of lines too. You guys would sh- switch John lines? John Krasinski is a great director okay. and a great writer. And you know, he's directed and written movies and stuff like that. And he was always giving me really funny lines to say and really funny bits to do. Yeah. And so much of Dwight I owe to him, not just in his performance of us like bouncing off each other, but him giving me giving me shtick, yeah. you know? I think my favorite ad lib was um, when I give uh, B.J. Novak, who's Ryan the Temp, uh, uh, a seed and I say, uh, as I give you this seed, I have planted my seed in you. <laughs> And um, and then he just looked, I just improvised that, and then he just looked at me and he goes, I don't think you know what you're talking about Dwight. And just as you have planted your seed in the ground, I am going to plant my seed in you. Oh, I think you know what you're saying. And it was, uh, it's a really great little, uh, little I like compliment. the one
0: where R is among the most menacing of sounds. That's <laughs> yeah. why it's murder, not muck duck. I'm like, whoever wrote
1: that was on another planet. R is among the most menacing of sounds. That's why they call it murder and not muck duck. Okay. These writers are... Yeah, wicked. they were a great writers. It was an amazing writer's room. And we, all, we owe the whole show to them. And they were fantastic. One of the things that I took away from the book,
0: mentors. And a few key events like changed your life. So yeah. you had these school teachers that were mentors. But then you're, you're watching, you said, what is the worst musical translation to a movie of all time? and you have this epiphany where you're like, I'm gonna be an actor.
1: That's it. What yeah. was the movie again? A Chorus Line. And
0: five, six, seven, eight.
1: You say it's horrible? They made a movie of A Chorus Line in like 1985, some, some 84, 85, right around there. And um, I was trying to decide whether to go to acting school or go to India. My friend was going to India to travel around for a year. Okay. To, to work and be of service and kind of have life experience. and. And I didn't know which to do, and I was really racking my brains, and I went into a matinee uh, of a chorus line, and it's a terrible movie. I mean, it's, it's a terrible movie, don't see it. but you know the whole movie is about these you know, aspiring actors and singers and dancers, and they're like, "I really need this job." And they're like <laughs> talking and crying about being actors and stuff. And, I was in the movie theater. I was just sobbing. I was all by myself in this empty theater in Boston. It brought you to tears. Tears were pouring down my face and I went outside and the sun was just setting and the snow was falling and over government center in in Boston and and I was like, that's it. That's my calling. I have to do it. This is what I need to do more than anything and I'm going to just, you know, my dad was, I won't say he's a failed painter, but, you know, he, he was an artist and he never made it. He never put, his energy and attention into his career. So I knew what it was like to really wanna do something and not make it. Right. And I knew that if I was gonna make it as an actor, I'd have to put a thousand percent on myself for like 10 years into into doing it, get the very best training, and learn from the very best people. But that was that kind of magical, spiritual, artistic epiphany that I had, seeing one of the worst movies of the 1980s. What's a a moment that stands out you, you did
0: 202 episodes of The Office. What's the moment that just stands out where you go, you pinch yourself and go, this is amazing. Was it a person you met? Was it a testimony someone wrote in? Was it there with Steve Carell joking around?
1: You know, there's so many moments that are great. I think that, the first thing that popped into my head is when, in the episode, The Injury, when Dwight vomits on his car. Yes. Like, the director wanted me to vomit on the ground. And I knew they were shooting from up in the office building. And I was like, he's got this beautiful Trans Am window. And Dwight <laughs> should just, it makes no sense at all that he would vomit on his car. But Just blah, the, the spray of vomit. So that was my idea. And, and it was such a great visual. And it would have just been lost with Dwight going Bleh, and vomiting like that. So um, like stuff like that, we got to be creative participants in the show and yeah. in lines and in scenarios and whole episode ideas. Um, but I, I tell the story in, in the book, um, like the time I knew that we'd really made it. I was in the Detroit airport uh, really early on, I think beginning of season two, and um, this big baggage handler dude comes running over and he's like, hey, hey, you're Rain, you're Dwight, hey, you're Dwight, here, here. And he's got an old flash and flip phone, and on it, he hands me the flip phone, and it says, fact, I can and do cut my own hair. <laughs> and he goes, This is from my daughter. We text each other Dwight quotes. Dwight lines. And, uh, and that was really early on. I was like, Oh, wow. If this baggage handler in Detroit is texting his daughter Dwight Lines, right. we're going to make it. We're going right. to make it. And this is going to go places. So that was early in the first Very early, yeah. yeah. So I, I knew that we were going to be successful.
0: So, my absolute favorite, I just remember you reminded me, and this whole book. Is not about the office, but it's important to talk about that because it kind of what I found. In the book sets up this quirky is quirky upbringing creates talent and creativity, which then is cashed in on not in a financial way, but what it, the value is captured for the world in this funny show. I think the funniest is the episode where Jim is timing you. Uh, over, if you're wasting company time, <laughs> he goes to Andy Bernard and starts talking about, uh, "Did you see Battlestar Galactica?" And every time you want to turn around, he He's pulls timing. a timer and he goes, he goes, Andy goes, what, "What's it about?" Goes, ah, "There's Wookies and there's there's Klingons and you take a piece of paper and bite it, stuff like that Is that is that written? grab a piece of paper and do it like
1: that? You know, it's, uh, it's always a balance on a show like The Office between the amazing writers that we had that really came up with most of it. Yeah. Uh, great directors like yeah. Paul Feig and Ken Quapas and so many others that could kind of nurse the best comedy out of it, and then what the actors brought. So Steve it's, Carell's a genius, right? Uh, mad genius, never, never worked with anyone like him, never will again. Really? Just the lightning fast mind, uh, big heart, And uh, you can't, he's an improvisation machine. You could never throw him off in an improv. Really? You could just be doing a scene with him and even if you just just threw out just something completely out of left field, he would just completely, if you just were like, there's a Wookiee in my pajamas! And he would just be like, why would you dress a Wookiee in your pajamas? He would just be like right there, instantaneous, and then he would guide the scene on to the next hilarious thing and Part of what makes Steve so great too is he was such a generous actor and he always wanted to make other people around him huh. as funny as possible. So he's never trying to like get the limelight and like, right. he, he wanted everyone to be funny.
0: The thing that I liked about the book is that, um, and we were talking about this, it's not just a celebrity bio that's just pure funny. It actually has a lot of substance. You talk about you know, spiritual stuff, being abandoned by your mother, uh, the struggles to make money. Pay your rent. Yeah, I didn't know you can
1: pay rent by credit card. Can, I don't know if they can do that anymore. They so I because um, but they used to attach these checks to the credit card statement. Oh yeah yeah right? yeah. There so you, you go. Do your statement, and then they're like, here's a check. Right. Okay, buy whatever you want. And you yeah. just tear it on the little perforated line. Yeah. So then we were paying our, our rent. That's the saddest experience in the world when you got to pay your rent by one of those checks attached to your credit card. And that's card statement. right before. That was months it before the office. the office, months before the office.
0: It reminds me a little bit like Elon Musk. He said, after I sold, he sold PayPal, made hundreds of millions of dollars, put it on Tesla, SpaceX, and Solar City. he said he was borrowing rent money.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like yeah. the grind of life never. He was borrowing adjusts. it from me. He was borrowing
1: it from you. I was like, Elon, enough already.
0: Did you take 10% of his lifetime earnings? I
1: took 20 Teslas, they're in my garage. <laughs>
0: So some people know you as Dwight Schrute, but now you've expanded out into uh, shooting movies, you're shooting other TV shows, you've got Soul Pancake, mm-hmm. Metaphysical Milkshake, I mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I watched that with Elon Musk interview. Nice. What uh, Of all these things you've done, is there a pet project that ha- you had the most passion for? Is it the new stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, um, that's another thing that the book is about is the final chapter is about Soul Pancake, creating the company, which is a, a media company to up, uplift people and, and bring people together, and also the work that I'm doing in Haiti with my wife, Lide Yeah. You know that uses arts education to empower adolescent girls in remote rural Haiti. Can we wait for the.
0: Uh... They're coming for us. Oh, we just roll right through it. That's how you know this. is.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I. Uh... I told my pilot to not land until (laughs) 30, (laughs) so I don't know what he's up to. So, yeah, so that final chapter is kind of, those projects are really kind of the culmination of my life's journey, so I'm getting the most satisfaction from the work I'm doing in Haiti right now, believe it or not, I'm you know, I'm going to do a movie next week and still have some other, you know, TV projects and stuff like that, but I, I love... Empowering and working with uh, young girls in Haiti, and using the arts and everything that I've learned up to this point to, to try and get them back into school and get them uh, in the educational system.
0: All right, the bassoon king. I'm here with Rain Wilson. Some people know him as Dwight Schrute. It is a fascinating book because not only does it cover you know the years of your success, mm-hmm. office, but it pops back into. You living in Nicaragua, you, in some ways, you know, being abandoned by your mother. You being completely broke in Hollywood, paying rent, and then you are the first person to audition, right? You were the first for The first Office. Person, for The Office. Yeah, yeah. And you, I didn't know you actually auditioned for the part, you know, for Steve Carell's part. Yeah,
1: yeah. from for Michael and for Dwight. And uh, I did a terrible Michael uh, audition. It was. It's out there somewhere on the video webs, or maybe the casting director, Allison Jones, has it. But I did a terrible Ricky Gervais impersonation, and, but <laughs> I knew that Dwight, was, knew Dwight yeah, was the one. But you said you knew Dwight was the one. What yeah. about the, uh,
0: you're in Nicaragua, and you had to use outhouses, and you
1: flashed, and there's, there's <laughs> frogs living down there? There's glow-in-the-dark albino frogs that <laughs> lived in the bottom of our outhouse. And, uh, yeah, I do a whole chapter on the, on the vermin of Nicaragua. The vermin of Nicaragua. Include, including the worms that came out of my butt eventually. <laughs> That's, uh, Can I- we just lost one of the cameramen.
0: Couldn't quite handle that. <laughs> How big of a part do you think your upbringing
1: really played in you becoming? Well, I go into that a lot in the book. So there's a lot of different aspects. One is, you know, I had very creative parents yeah. who I grew up a member of the Baha'i faith. Yes. And my parents... We're very open to different spiritual ideas and just ideas about life, philosophical ideas, and always exploring those things in, in our home. They always encouraged me to go towards the arts. So, that was, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but also, like, so much creativity happens in groups of friends. And because I was so nerdy, I mean, I talk about at one point in time, I was playing the bassoon, I was on Model United Nations, the chess team, the debate club. You played chess, Pottery like Club. That. Yeah.
0: Pottery, too?
1: Pottery. Just to round it all out, you you pulled in pottery. Yep. Just, yep, from my feminine side. All of those (laughs) at the same time. I was an uber nerd. But, you know, all of us nerdy kids and we were playing Dungeons and Dragons together and watching Monty Python, like, you create your own vocabulary of comedy and and creativity. And so I wasn't really so focused on the dating and being popular or any of that kind of stuff. It was just this own little weird Petri dish of creativity. And I think that's, a large part of you know, how you could create Dwight, how I created Dwight and, and um, that kind of helped propel me on my journey as an artist and as an actor, because that's really what the whole book is about, is the artistic and spiritual journeys yeah. and the, the ups and downs that we, that we all have.
0: One thing, so you, you move from New York, you end up in LA, and you reminded me a little bit of like the story of Magic Johnson. You know, Magic Johnson plays college basketball, wins a championship goes into the pros, first year wins a championship. He's thinking, this thing's all gravy, and you came here and you right
1: away started booking shows. Yeah. But then it dried up. Yeah, immediately. I got out here uh, and immediately booked a pilot on NBC. I got a couple of movies. I was in Almost Famous and Galaxy Quest. Both of those shot in 99, 2000. And I was like, oh man, this is a cinch. Yeah. Working in Hollywood is, you know, I'd made more money in that stretch of time than I had made in maybe all of my years in New York right. doing theater previous to that. And uh, it was, uh, and then I didn't work for a year. Yeah. And then, so <laughs> and then my work. first job after that was House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie's horror movie, and then a guest spot on Charmed. So it was like, it's been a struggle, you know? It's, it's a struggle.
0: So then you're coming to the end of your ropes. About this time your wife was pregnant with your son, that was
1: right when the office started, yep. Mm -hmm. You're the first person
0: to audition. You auditioned for the role, for Steve Carell's role, for Michael Scott in the office. You said it was horrible. You you knew you weren't meant for that, but you knew right
1: away Dwight Schrute was you. But
0: they didn't call you back. Were they playing mind games with you?
1: No, they just went on like the most exhaustive uh, audition uh, excavation like known to man. I mean, Greg Daniels, our showrunner, he's amazing. He's a yeah. great human being and a genius writer and and comic and mind. But when he does something, he does it like completely. So his casting method was to take like six months and audition like everybody and their hmm. mother. And um,
0: so they were I around. was on
1: the first day, and apparently they knew they wanted to call me back, but. I waited around for three or four months. I didn't hear anything until yeah. finally I heard that I got a call back. And you said
0: you were the only one that submitted.
1: At the end, and after the callback, uh, for me and the other Dwights, I was the only one they, they turned into the network. Because um, it was just one of those rare times as an actor, like, you know, like, I know how to play this part. Yeah. I know who this guy is. It's the culmination
0: yeah, I, of all your bassoon art, Battlestar Galactica friend. Yep. You did Shotokong
1: Dun- karate and yep. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, all of that. Uh, my cousins growing up driving muscle cars, cousins that are farmers. Like I know this world. I know this guy completely. So and some of the
0: time, could you, could you improv some of that, you could just kind of pull from your, pull you know, from your upbringing.
1: I have, a, I have, a, I, have a, I have Dwight inside me. That's what she said. Thank you. <laughs> Boom. I like that. When I met you at Heifer, I was like, ah, this is
0: my favorite comedic. TV nice. guy. Although you tried out for Job in, in Arrested uh, Development. Yeah, yeah. You would have been a good Job.
1: Uh, I, I did a pretty good take on it, but Will Arnett was—he was way better. When I saw yeah. him on the show, I was like, "Oh damn it, he's so good. How he's do you so deal. funny." Do, do you ever think. feel envious sometimes? I do feel envious. Yeah, yeah. sure. I—you I, deal with envy as as an actor. You know, you read the trades, and you know, you see the actors getting booked into the top movies and yeah. stuff, and you're like, "Oh," but. Uh, I used to be way more envious than I am now. Now it's just like we all have our journeys, we all have yeah. our paths, and I uh, really, uh, most of the people that I've worked with are really good people who have struggled as much as I do, and they deserve all that success. You
0: know, I, liked, I if you haven't seen, uh, Rain's done two interesting uh, projects on YouTube, maybe more than two, but Soul Pancake, which is fascinating. Uh, and then this metaphysical milkshake. And I liked the meta. You, you were interviewing Elon Musk. I liked you got him in the, what was it, the back of your uh, camper or something yeah, like van. that? Yeah, the van. Yeah, that's
1: how I do <laughs> It's a talk, metaphysical milkshake's so a talk show in the back of my van.
0: Yeah. By the way, that was one of the better Elon Musk interviews I've seen. Yeah. He's a tough interview. Yeah. I've yeah. met him. He sees it. You got to draw it out of him a little bit. But um, so you do this little lightning round. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, to, I'm going to try a little lightning round uh, on you. And if you don't, you can just say pass if you don't like it.
1: Life's big questions lightning round? Exactly. Okay. That,
0: that's what soul pancake is. Life's yep. big question. So I'll just throw a few here. You're welcome to say pass. All right. Uh, life after death.
1: Uh, absolutely. This uh, physical plane that we're on, uh, we drop our meat suits and we go on to uh, infinite horizons beyond our understanding. No question. Good and evil. Does
0: it exist or is it subjective?
1: Uh, Evil is like the darkness. It is uh, not a force unto itself. It is an absence of good.
0: Okay. Better
1: at karate. Dwight Schrute or Bruce Lee? Uh, I'm gonna go with Dwight Schrute because Bruce Lee studied Kung Fu. Boom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was, by the way, that was one of the larger questions in life. I thought I might get a pass on that one. Uh, Conservative or liberal politically?
1: You know, I really uh, am a mixture of both. Um, I'm not trying to just play both sides. I, I have some very conservative uh, views, and um, uh, by and large, uh, socially, I'm uh, much more liberal. Does TV, cor- overall, is it a corrupting force? Absolutely it is. No one should ever watch television again, or YouTube.
0: <laughs> the best, One of the funniest things in the book is where you, you go on and on about how bad... Uh you know, medias. And then you said, Buy in no way should you take this uh, and take any action that will cause me to lose money as an actor. <laughs> right, I like, yeah, I like exactly. the P.S., <laughs> the disclaimer there.
1: <laughs> Favorite author or book? Mm, you're killing me. Seriously? Pick one of them. Favorite author or book? Can I pick my own? Yeah, No, sure. it's not. Ah, man, there's so many. Okay. Favorite author or book? I got to answer. Holiday Reinhorn, Big Cats. She's my wife, but it like is a brilliant it. book.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll, I need to read that. Last day on Earth, you've got to leave one paragraph to your son. Best advice?
1: I think that I would write a beautifully crafted paragraph that had to do with the fact that. You know, you try something and you fail, and it's those failures that are the greatest teachers. It's our failures, it's the times we've hit our head and fallen down the hardest that shouldn't, they don't have to set you back because you can learn so much from them. And without, and, and I go into this in the book, that without those great failures and setbacks, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have had the career that I've had. Um, they're transformational. Yeah, Best. You know, it's like a, that, that, that quote which I love so much, it's another fucking growth opportunity. I've had so many. Who, who, who said that? No, no, it's like challenges or it's like, oh, it's great, another, it's, it's even like a bumper sticker. It's like, great, another fucking growth opportunity. <laughs> like, I, my life has been just littered with fucking growth opportunities. But I would hope that we can raise my son to, to see life in those terms.
0: People want to follow you. Where should they be going? Should they follow you
1: on Twitter, Soul Pancake? Yeah, uh, subscribe to Soul Pancake on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rain Wilson. And uh, brand new book out. Makes a great stocking stuffer. Get this book for
0: Christmas. I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, I read it cover to cover, page by page. And it's really a good book in the sense. Um, that books are good, and in the more important sense, that it's a well-rounded book. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to write a well-rounded book. It's hard to write a funny book that actually teaches you something. Nice, So thanks. Thanks so much. All right, thanks for having me.